Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Tentatrack Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. Yes, the podcast that desperately needs a shorter name, but hey, it tells you exactly what we're going to do here. I'm your host, Soccer Noob. I'll be joined as always by my co-host, eight-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! And so what do we do here? What have you gotten yourself into? Well, we do three to five minute mini previews of the top 10 matches as we define them from around the world. First versus second place matches in various tables, FA Cups, international team tournaments. We will say yes to leagues and tournaments of any stature. No continent or country is too big or too small for Team Noob. There's a trophy on the line, and if the match is important where it's being played, even if it's not in one of the top four European leagues or something, though we'll cover those, by gosh, we're going to be there. So, with no further ado, let's jump right in with... Match number one! We always move chronologically here at Team Noob, so we start our week on Friday, and your first Friday match comes from the Eastern European country of Moldova. The top flight there is called the National Division. Not that highly regarded, to be honest, but here at Team Noob, we're not worried about where they are in the rankings in terms of whether or not we cover them. We're worrying about the magnitude of the match, where it's being played. Now, that said, this is just the number 45 ranked uh, league in all of UEFA, and in fact, that's also down four from a year ago. Give you some geographic perspective. That puts them uh, in the rankings right between Finland, which is probably the weakest of the Northern European countries when it comes to football, and Malta. Um, as such, they only get the minimum in terms of international competition berths. Their champion will have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round of next year's Champions League. Their second and third place teams will play in the uh, inaugural Europa Conference League, the new tertiary tournament for some smaller country teams for the most part. And they'll have to start both all the way back in the first qualifying round of that one. Little side note, kind of interesting, because this happened to a lot of leagues. Because a lot of seasons were abandoned last year, uh, Premier Leagues or Top Flights did not want to uh, demote or relegate any teams, but contractually, I believe they were required to bring some teams up. So this year, the National Division is 10 teams instead of 8. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season here, just like they are in most of non-Northern Europe. Your matchup. Number one, and in Moldova, it's always number one, FC Sharif, and they are playing host to number B. That'll get explained during the next match. Don't worry, kids. Uh, CS Petrokub. Uh, things have more or less shaken themselves out in this league. This is sort of the last gas for Petrokub, in my opinion. Uh, Sharif lead them by nine. Uh, and yet that said, uh, Petrokub are at least not in any danger of losing that uh, second place spot, probably. They lead the third place club by 11 in the table. Now, what makes this interesting is Petrokub to have any shot at uh, having a change of the guard here and getting to number one. They've got to take three points on the road against the uh, perennial powerhouse in this league. But Petrokub did give Sharif their only loss when they played at Petrokub. Uh, they beat him one nothing earlier this year. A little bit about each of our teams, FC Sharif. They are known as the Wasps. Uh, they were founded in 1997, and I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know about this, but this is part of why um, I love learning about soccer. It's also an opportunity for me to learn about the world. Uh, this team is from the city of Taraspol, which is the second largest city in the breakaway state. They wanted to be independent, or they want to, and they are largely autonomous, but not recognized for the most part internationally, of an area they call uh, 
Transnis Transnistria. I want to get my emphasis on the right syllables there. This is a long, narrow strip of land, kind of in the east-northeast, uh, right along the Ukrainian border. Uh, the city that they're in, it's the de facto capital, and not that big a city, about 150,000. Internationally, uh, they have reached the Europa League group stage four different times. I believe all of them were in the early uh, first half of the 2010s. Uh, this year, uh, they got to go to the Champions League as normal, and they actually won their first two, uh, or no, I'm sorry, they won their first qualifying round match, lost in the second qualifying round, and then they dropped down to the Europa League into the third qualifying round. So getting closer to that group stage again, but they lost to Republic of Ireland team Dundalk on penalty kicks. Heartbreaking loss. Domestically, 18 league titles to their credit over, I believe, a span of 19 years. Uh, the only one they've lost in that stretch was 2014-15, and in most leagues, they actually would have been declared the champion. There was a three-way tie at the top of the table on points, and Sharif had the biggest goal differential, but that's not the first tiebreaker in Moldova. It's head-to-head uh, -head, uh, wins and losses and points, and Sharif uh, did not happen to come out on top of that, so they ended up finishing third. Uh, this year, utterly dominating. Uh, they averaged three goals per match, and they only let in a goal about once every four matches on average. They've won their last six matches in a row by an aggregate score of 18 nil. Ouch, and they've won their last uh, eight in a row, in fact. Uh, the number one league scorer is on their team, guy we want to highlight to look for in the box score, Frank Castaneda. He is from Colombia, plays forward. If he is familiar to you from anywhere else in Europe, the only place could be he played for uh, Sanika in Slovakia in 2018-19. 26 years old, and just as another fun little side note, a uh, guy is my size, only about five feet, five inches tall. Meanwhile, your visitors and challengers, Petrokub, they are known as the Lions. Uh, they play out of the city of Hinchesti, which is in the central part of the country. It's only about 15,000. Well, I'm not sure it would quite be considered a suburb per se. It's only about 20 miles from the uh, capital city of uh, Chisinau. Last year, they finished eighth place in the league, so they're certainly doing better this year. Uh, their best domestic finish, they've never won the club, uh, the league rather, but they did win the FA Cup last year. So congratulations to them belatedly for that. They made the Europa League uh, first qualifying round the last three seasons, and those are the only times I think they've been there. And they've always lost in that very first game, so they have yet to get an international win. Uh, top player to look for there, number two leading scorer in the league is Vladimir Ambrose. Uh, he is an attacking midfielder, and ironically enough, he played for their opponents today, Sharif, on loan back in 2017. Match number B. Hello, I'm Persnoob. My dad's a noob at soccer. Since I'm eight, he says that I'm kind of new at being a person. Dad said to explain that, like you can figure it out. Anyway, this is match number B. You're down to the second number. So here's your Catholic labeled match number B. We go to Romania. The top league there is called Liga One. It's the it's the number twenty-five ranked league in Europe. Right about in the middle of all the countries. There are only two or three matches left in the first place of the league season for these clubs. After that the top six will play for the league title while the bottom 10 play in regulation round. Your matchup, number B, see what it in there? F, C, S, B, 
versus number one, Cluj. They are tied on points, so Cluj has leads on point differential. They are four points ahead of whatever club is in the third. Dad didn't tell me their name. After the season, Cluj won the first match, match 20. Let's learn a little about the home team, FCSB. Their nickname is the Speedsters. The SB in their name stands for Sewa Bukharesti. Sewa means star. They were founded as an army team. Among Euro clubs, they are ranked number 74 internationally. They won internationally. They won what is now called the Champions League in the 1985-1986 season. Last year, they won two matches in the Europe League before losing in the third qualifying round. They've won 26 Romanian League titles. If you include the ones under CSA, say... Dewa. Dad says they're still arguing about it there. Last year they finished fifth place. They're great all around, but on offense their score is incredibly almost two games per match. They've got the number one score in the whole league. Foreign Tanase. Also they've got the number one assist man around. Olympio. Morton. He's just 21. Dad thinks they'll sell him to a bigger club in Western Europe soon. Match number three. This is our final Friday match, and we get the heck on out of Europe and over to Hong Kong. Their Premier League is ranked number 23 out of 46 in the AFC. As such, uh, they occupy an interesting spot in the coefficients in terms of where they send their champions and their also rants. Uh, there are two main tournaments in Asia, the Champions League, don't really have to explain that one, and the champion of the Hong Kong Premier League goes there. Then the secondary tournament is the Asian Cup, which isn't exactly like the uh, Europa League. It is the secondary international tournament, but your uh, smaller Asian countries or your larger Asian countries where soccer isn't the number one sport, what the AFC calls, quote, soccer developing nations, end quote, send their champions to this. And then some of the medium ranked, if you will, countries like Hong Kong, their association sends, in this case, their second and third place teams to the Asian Cup. So they're about uh, five or six matches into the season. They only play 14 matches in the first phase before uh, the top few will qualify for the playoffs and the bottom few will play in a relegation round. Your matchup, number one, Kitchy versus number B, Eastern Athletic Club. These two have each played one more match than uh, most or all of the others in the league, but statistically you'll find that these really are probably the two very best teams. Kitchy currently lead in the table by one over Eastern. Eastern, in turn, lead by three over a club called Lee Man, and they're ahead by six on goal differential. Kitchy. I love their nickname, at least the way it's stylized as I read it is all one word. Uh, they are the Blue Waves, also the Bluebirds. Uh, they are in an area called Kowloon in Hong Kong, an area of over two million. It's the biggest urban area in all of Hong Kong. 
It's in the south, southeast part of mainland Hong Kong, right across the water from Hong Kong Island, if you know that area at all. And I didn't dive too deep into the name Kowloon, but I did discover that it means nine dragons. And yet at the same time, uh, it also alludes to like eight different mountains and one historical emperor. So it's quite the curious amalgamation. If you're looking for a Google rabbit trail to go down, that would be a fun one. Uh, this club is ranked just inside the top 25 in Asia. They have four league titles to their club name, and they are the defending champions. In 2018, they had their best international finish. Uh, they won the, uh, or they got all the way to the group stage, rather. Here on the domestic side this year, they are the only undefeated team left standing, 3-3-0. Three, three, oh. Third best offense, tied for number one on defense. Uh, they have the uh, a guy who's tied for fourth place, in scoring in the league, and I don't know if this is uh, soft J's or not, so I might get the pronunciation wrong. Sorry, Montenegro folks. Dejan Danjanovic, I'm going to pronounce it again from Montenegro. He's a forward, long in the soccer too, 39 years old. Uh, before this, if you follow Asian football at all, uh, you'll recognize his name from a variety of uh, South Korean clubs that he's played for over the years. They also have the goalkeeper who is tied for number one statistically, Wang Zenpeng, and he has been uh, with this club forever. He's a veteran as well, been playing as netminder since 2005 for him. Meanwhile, your visitors, Eastern, they were founded all the way back in 1932, and way back then, this was an all-Chinese team founded by a Chinese company. A lot's changed over the decades, as you might imagine, but a nice little historical footnote there. Last year, they finished second place in the league. 2015-16 uh, was the only time they've ever won the league title. And then that next year, 2017, they were the first Hong Kong team ever to play in, in the Champions League group stage. Uh, this year, they are just, this is the team that's probably going to win the league. They are just dominating. They've scored almost twice as many goals as anybody else already. Uh, they are also tied for number one on defense, and the goal differential is already two and a half times larger than anybody else in the league. So hang on to that name, Eastern Athletic Club. Number one league scorers on their team. They've actually got two of them, the one that I'll focus on just for fun, from Brazil, because it seems like uh, two out of every three clubs I see in uh, Asia all have uh, Brazilian or Argentinian stars. A guy named Lucas da Silva. If uh, you recognize his name from European play, then uh, you are a serious, serious scholar. He made a handful of appearances his very first ever year in Portugal for Pacos de Ferreira. Match number four. Our first Saturday match on the calendar takes us to our third Confederation visit of this podcast. We're headed to CONCACAF, specifically Costa Rica, their Liga FPD, Primera Division. A lot of people think that Costa Rica's is the third best in all of CONCACAF or League Associations. A lot of people still believe that it's still better than MLS and only behind Mexico. We leave it for you to judge, neither here nor there. Their season's about two-thirds of the way through, at least as far as this stage. Uh, Latin American countries tend to divide their soccer year into two stage seasons, each of about half the length of a European full season, the Apertura, or opening, and the Clausura, or closing. So the 2020-2021 season, they're in the Clausura stage right now. In any case, the top four are going to make the playoffs. And in terms of how they disperse their international berths, the champion from each of the two stages will get to go on to the CONCACAF League. And then the best non-stage champion, the one with the best aggregate record, will also get to go, though they'll have to start in a playoff round. Now, additional side note, because I love me my side notes, apparently, the CONCACAF League is not the CONCACAF Champions League. 
This is a feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League. The top, uh, something like six teams, I believe, this last year all qualified for the CCL out of it. In any way, in any case, your combatants, number one, LD Alajuense, taking on number B, Santos de Guapiles. Alajuense lead at the table by eight. SDG, in turn, lead a couple other teams by two. And Alajuense, let's face it, they're basically your champions in waiting. They smoked SDG last time out. At their own house, nil three. A little bit more about them. Alajuense is the name of the big province in the north central part of the country, as uh, maybe a million people. The little area they play in is called El Llano. They've got a couple of CONCACAF Champions League titles to their credit. Most recent one was won in 2004, and they won the most recent 2020 CONCACAF League. So it'll be fun to see how far they can represent Costa Rica in the upcoming 2021 Champions League. Domestically, they've got over 30 overall titles to their credit, and they are the defending stage champs. They won the 2020 Apertura stage. This stage, doing fine as well. Undefeated so far, and largely due to the offense based on the feet of a guy from a country I'm not sure that we've ever talked about before on the podcast. Number one league scorer is Marcel Hernandez. You normally think baseball, but no, he is from Cuba, a midfielder and 31 years old. Meanwhile, SDG, they are from Limon, fascinating part of the country, uh, east central coastal part of the country, about 55,000. But the part that makes it really intriguing, and I didn't know anything about this. Again, this is why I love doing this podcast. I love learning soccer, but I love learning about the world from learning about soccer. Uh, Limon is a city that is largely, well, it's the uh, it's the Afro-Costa Rican center of the country. Historically speaking, uh, the people lived there and or were moved there to live there who were, uh, who were African in descent, and they were largely made to stay there. Their movements were restricted. So to this day, this is the center for that culture historically in the country. I've done some Googling up. If you can't make it to Rio de Janeiro and you want to go to a carnival, by gosh, you want to go to the one in Limon. In any case, uh, they're not going to be your aggregate champions if they're going to get to the Champions League. They're going to have to make a miracle comeback and win this stage because last stage, they only finished 10th in the league. This year, uh, they are number three on offense, but a sort of a best of the rest case. The top two offensive teams uh, are number one and number B by quite a lot. And they're well balanced. They do have the number four defense as well. If they are to pull off a big, big upset, uh, your likely man of the match uh, will be a guy to look for. Uh, Number B league scorer, Javon East from the country of Jamaica. Match number five. Central America is lovely. Why don't we stick around for another match? We'll slide on over to Honduras, the Liga Nacional, largely considered to be the fourth best league in CONCACAF. They're in the Clausura stage as well. Depending on what club you're looking at, they're five to eight matches in. Your matchup, number one, CD Olympia versus number B, CD Matagua. This is the Clásico Capitalino. They're both from Tegucigalpa or that area. Uh, In terms of how the playoffs are going to work, this league is divided into two groups, even within the stage. The two group winners are going to go to the playoffs and they get to advance to the semifinals. The second and third place teams from each group will also go to the playoffs, but they've got to start further back. In terms of how they disperse their international berths, the teams at the end of the whole year, not just the stage, with the three best aggregate records will go to the CONCACAF League, which I feel like is interesting because hypothetically you could send three teams that none of them won the stage. You might have champions that they win one stage and they bottomed out in the other one. In any case, 
this stage, Olympia lead by one. And then Matagua, they're definitely going to be one and two. Uh, Matagua lead the next club by 12 in the table. Now, these two teams have played uh, two more matches than most of the other ones on average, but they're still going to be there at the end. They also finished number one and number B in the Apertura stage. Uh, in that stage of the playoffs, Olympia won it all. They beat Matagua in the semifinals. Olympia, you're never going to guess what their nickname is. Yeah, the Lions. Every home team is the Lions, this podcast. Uh, Tegucigalpa, the capital, south-central part of the country, about one and a quarter million people. And at least back in 2012, here's to hoping that they've uh, rectified this a little bit, world's highest murder rate. I'm not sure why I'm getting sing-songy about that. I guess just because it's so ugly that what else can you do? And about 40% of those gun-related deaths were all due to organized crime. Hey, kids, uh, watch it on Central America TV or somewhere if you can. Maybe isn't the place you want to necessarily visit for a live match, unless you, unless you really know the area. This is a city with a lot of urban problems. The population has absolutely exploded over the last 10, 15 years. But the infrastructure, they haven't been able to, the city and national government haven't been able to keep up with it. So slums, lack of streets, basically every urban problem that you can imagine, say, in a U.S. city, and they're just, just magnified here in this one. It's going to be fascinating to see what they can do over the next couple of decades there. Anyway, back to the footy. This team won what used to be called, or what is now rather called, the Champions League. It had a difference name then. Uh, back in uh, 1972 and 1999, uh, 1988. More recently, they won the CONCACAF League, 2017. Uh, they also qualified. They finished within the top six in the 2020 CONCACAF League. So they've qualified for the Confederation Champions League, which will be starting next month. But, oh, do they have their work cut out for them. Good luck against Club America, one of the greats from Liga MX in Mexico. Have fun with that. Domestically, they've got over 30 league titles to their name. This stage, undefeated, 6-1-0. and oh. Defense is just average, but on offense, they just clobber everybody. Uh, largely, that is to the credit of uh, league leading scorer Jerry Bankston. And if his name is familiar to you, it's because you follow MLS. Congratulations, New England Revolutions fans. He was with that team from 2012 to 2014. Then we have Matagua, your visitors and challengers. They are the Eagles, or I my preferred nickname, just because you don't run into this anywhere else, the Blue Cyclone. Uh, they're also from the capital city, of course. 17 league titles to their credit. In 2018 and 2019 in the CONCACAF League, they finished runners-up, I believe both times to Olympia, in fact, or one of them might have been Saprice in the CONCACAF League. Take that with a grain of salt. In any case, in the 2020 Champions League, they had their best ever finish. They made the round of 16. And uh, in the most recent CONCACAF League, they did not qualify for next year's Champions League. They won't go any farther. They only got to the playoff round. They're fine on offense, but their bread gets buttered on defense. Tied for number one defense in the league. And the man in charge of that, the netminder. He is an Argentinian, 33 years old, who has spent his entire career pretty much in Honduras. Jonathan, I'm going to pronounce it like it's French, uh, Rougier, R-O-U-G-I-E-R. Uh, the offense that they do get had been largely at the feet of number three, league-leading scorer. He's still on their leaderboard, Rabio Castillo. But he was with this club on loan from Saprissa in Costa Rica. But he's been moved again, and now he is with, I'm not sure if it's a loan or if he got sold, but he's with a club in Bolivia now, uh, Royal Paris. So they're uh, going to be a little bit hamstrung on offense more than before.
Ah, the sound of Persinoob imitating our kitties, the three mew chime sounder that has come to signify for no particular reason that we're going to take a break now from our current tracking of next week's matches and look back at the week that was last week's matches that we tend to track, so to speak. Let's review. Match number one, the Cypriot Premier League, Cyprus, number B, A-E-L, Limassol, took on number one, Ammonia, Nicosia, and it was Ammonia, Nicosia that won one to two. There were a couple red cards in the 90th minute of this one. Sounds like it got ugly at the end. Lots of bad feelings. It was a come behind, come from behind win for for the winners, uh, AEL drop into a tie for number B in the standings with Apollon. Match number two, we had gone to Liga MX. Number one, Cruz Azul took on number three, Monterey. Cruz Azul winning 1-0, and Monterey dropped to fourth place. Match number three, it had been delayed. They finally got on. The 2019-2020 EFL Trophy Final was Portsmouth versus Salford. And it was Salford that came out on top. Nobody scored during game time, so they go to penalty kicks. Two to four was the final score. Match number four, we went to France for the Division One Feminine, number B, Lyon, taking on number one, PSG. But it got postponed because PSG sadly had three COVID cases. We certainly hope everything turns out for the best there. Match number five came to us out of Tunisia, CLP1. Number B, Etwil du Sahel, took on number one, Esperance, and it was du Sahel that came out on top two to nothing. They now just trail Esperance by seven in the table. On Sunday, Germany's Bundesliga gave us number B, RB Leipzig versus number four, Frankfurt. The result was a 1-1 draw. They maintained their positions in the table. Match number seven, we went to Bosnia and Herzegovina, their Premier League, for number B, Siroki Brieg versus number one, FK Sarajevo. And it was Siroki Brieg that came on top 1-0, despite the fact that they lost a man to a straight red card in the 68th minute. Match number eight was the 2020-2021 EFL Trophy Final. They got to play it on the same weekend as basically, quote-unquote, last year's. And it was Sunderland versus Tranmere. Congratulations to Sunderland. They won 1-0, a guy we said to look for. An American named Lyndon Gooch had the winning goal. Congratulations to him, USA, USA. On Wednesday, match number nine. We went to uh, UEFA's Champions League, a round of 16, the second leg between Chelsea and Atletico Madrid, and it was Chelsea that won uh, 2-0. They had won the first match 0-1, so they win 3-0 on aggregate, and uh, American Christian Pulisic had an assist. Match number 10 was from the Russian Premier League, number B, CSKA Moscow, took on number one, Zenit St. Petersburg, and it was Zenit that came out on top in a shootout, 2-3. Guy we said to look for, Artem Dez Zuba had a goal for Zenit, but and an assist. He actually missed a penalty right at the end of the first half, though, too. A player named Wendell had a brace. CSKA lost a man to a red card in the 53rd minute when the match was still uh, one to one. Uh, CSKA dropped to third place now behind intracity rival Spartak Moscow. And then our bonus matches. If what these are doesn't seem clear, don't worry. We'll get to it at the end of the podcast. Our route of the week came from the Austrian Bundesliga, where number one, Salzburg, took on last place, number 12, Admira Mudling. And it was Salzburg coming out on top. No surprise, three to one. I thought it would be a little bit more of a blowout. Patson Daka got a score. And all the goals were scored in the first half. And another guy we said to look for, Kareem Adeyemi. He also had an assist. Our second bonus match was 
the most meaningless match in the world. There was a Saturday match out of the Costa Rican Primera Division. Number seven, Guadalupe FC taking on number eight, CS Cartaginés. And it was CSC that, well, they had won the first match two to one and they came out on top in this one, nil three. Guy was here to look for, Roger Rojas got a goal. Uh, CSC uh, moved to number seven and now Guadalupe are down to number nine in the table. And finally, our match of disappointment was a Friday match out of the Tanzanian Premier League. Number 17, Embea City took on very, very last place, Mwadui, and the result was an Embea City win, 1-0. Embea City move up to number 16 in the standings. They're ahead of now number 17, Ehefu FC on goal differential. And that concludes our recap of last week's Tanda Track. Now let's dive back into the current tracking with... Match number six. And now we're on to the Sunday portion of our week. Match number six takes us to Columbia, hitting yet another confederation like to get around for this podcast. Part of the fun. Their top flight is the Categoria Primera A. It's considered the third best in CONMEBOL, the South American Association behind, as you might imagine, Brazil and Argentina. As such, they get two Copa Libertadores, that's their Champions League group stage bursts, two that will start in the second qualifying round and then five go to their secondary uh, tournament, the Copa Sudamericana. They're about two-thirds of the way through the Apertura stage there. The top eight in the league all get to make the playoffs. Your matchup, number B, Deportivo Cali versus number one, Tolima. They are tied on points on the table and they lead in turn three different clubs all by just one point. If you can find a better title race anywhere in the world amongst the top flights, uh, find me on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA, because quite frankly, I don't think it's out there. Find me there anyway. In any case, your matchup. The Sugar Makers from Cali, Deportivo Cali. I have to get Deportivo in there because they're not the only club from there. There's also America de Cali. In any case, it is the most populous area in southwest Colombia. And as you might be able to guess, perhaps by the music that you're hearing in the background, it is considered the salsa capital of the world. So we found some very local music to get us through this particular mini preview. Thank you to the management, our editor and producer, for getting that in. Last year, they finished uh, number four, or last stage rather, and they made the quarterfinals of the stage playoffs. Historically, they have nine stage titles to their name. Uh, they haven't won one since 2015, though. Last Copa Libertadores that they were in were, was in 2017, and they finished in last place in the group stage. Uh, as far as how they're doing right now, uh, despite the fact that they're so high on the table, they're really average at best on offense. They don't even quite average a goal per match, but they are tied for number one on defense. Overall, that puts them just above average on goal differential. Something I really like to look at is telling, but it's so hard with a team like this. In any case, Usually, if I'm not looking at offensive guys, I'm looking at goalkeepers, but the defense is so good here, while I'm sure the goalkeeper is fine, the best overall player on the team probably is Johan Valencia, a central defensive midfielder, and he does have a couple of assists on the year as well. Meanwhile, Tolima, they are from Ibagué, which is the capital of the Tolima department, or state, I guess, in the west-central part of the country. It's right on the Andes Mountains, a city of just over a half a million people, I believe. Uh, history buffs will know that early in the 19th century, this was the capital of a uh, country or area called New Granada. That was a large part of this country, a little bit of Brazil, a little bit of Central America. On the footy side, they made the Copa Libertadores semifinals in 1982, best ever finish. Uh, more recently in 2013, that was the last time they made it and they only got as far as the second stage. 
They do have two league titles to their credit. Uh, most recent one was 2018. They were number two last stage, and they also made it to the quarterfinals. Uh, second best offense, but they really struggle below average on the defensive side. So I'm not sure that they're going to stay up at the top number one in the table. Not with so many teams so close to them. In any case, on offense, Hamitan Kampas is the guy to look for in the box score. He's a midfielder. Uh, three goals and an assist on the year. Enjoy him while you can there. He is just 20 years old. And while I don't normally spin the uh, transfer news or rumor wheel, I have caught wind that he may be the South American guy that they're looking for as a DP candidate, designated player, to go to MLS's Vancouver Whitecaps. Match number seven. Match lucky number seven takes us to yet another confederation, only Oceania to go after this one. I wonder if we'll get there. In any case, this particular one, we're headed to Africa, specifically Morocco. Their top flight's called the Batola Pro. It is the number one rated league in all of Africa. As such, they get two Champions League group stage berths, and then their third place team goes to uh, Africa's version of the Europa League, which is called the Confederation Cup there. Season is fairly young. There are about nine, season, uh, nine matches in so far. And your matchup is or should at least be called the Casablanca Derby because it is uh, second best Wydad Casablanca versus number one currently Raja Casablanca. Historically, they've played 142 times. Raja have won 41 to Wydad's 36. On paper, these two teams are just about identical statistically. They are tied on points, tied on goal differential because their offense, uh, they're both tied for number one in the league in offense, a little bit less on defense, but they have the same number of goals scored and the uh, same number of goals allowed. Just incredible coincidence. In any case, a little bit about each. Why, Dad? I love the history of the name of this club more than perhaps any other in the world. It's the only one that I know of that's named for a singer. One of the founding members of this club, all those years ago, he was late for a particular meeting about the founding of the club because he had been at the movies. And he was seeing one that starred a singer named, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Um Kothum or Kothum, which Latinized is Wydad or Wedad, W-E-D-D-A-D, a little bit different from the club name, but it's all the same thing. Uh, the word is Arabic. It means love or more specifically sincere affection from what I understand. And uh, she is the one that the club was named after. Interestingly, she's not even Moroccan. The star of the movie was from Egypt. In any case, as far as the footy, they've won the league title 20 times, most recently in 2019. They have also won the Continental Champions League twice, most recently 2017. Last year, they just finished number B in the league, though. This year, they've got the number two league leading score in Ayub El Kabi, and then tied for number three on assists, uh, just like we had somebody from Cuba earlier where we'd never been before. I don't think I've ever highlighted a player from Libya, but he's their big assist guy, uh, Muayid Elafi, and uh, he's a forward, and he's another uh, person of short stature, only five foot six and a half, interestingly. Second one I've noticed that about for this podcast. And if you're a European footy fan, it means you like Portugal if you recognize this guy's name. He started his senior career in the Primeira Liga with a club called Santa Clara. Meanwhile, Raja Casablanca, they are the Green Eagles, and they have been known uh, for at least probably 60 years or so as a, having a very specifically South American style. Uh, at least stereotypically, South America uh, was, maybe still is, known for very, very short passes in their style and a lot of push and runs. Raja adopted that starting in the late 40s with one particular manager, and they have held on to that philosophy to this day, is my understanding. 
Internationally, they have won three Champions League titles, most recently 1999. Uh, despite that, note the date, they finished number two in the FIFA Club World Cup in 2013. Number B, I should say. We always want to be couth, don't we, person noob? Now, the reason that's interesting is this. You get to the champ, you get to the FIFA Club World Cup by winning your continent's Champions League. But they last won it in 1999, and in 2013, there they were. Well, the one other team that gets to go to the FIFA Club World Cup is the champion from the top league in the host country, even if they didn't happen to win the Champions League, then that continent gets two teams. So the year that Morocco didn't even win the Champions League in Africa, they won the Batola Pro, got to go, and made it all the way to the title game. 12 league titles to their name, and they are the league defending champions. They boast the second best league scorer right now from the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ben Malongo. And he came to them uh, before this. He was with a really big club, one of the first African ones I ever knew, just by coincidence, called TP Mazembe. And they're still very good. Uh, tied for number one assists in the league on this team is Abdalila Hafidi. He is a winger and he is he's a veteran, but he has spent his entire career with just this club. And then they've also got a very good veteran goalkeeper. Tied in number one statistically is Anas Zanidi. Match number eight. Last match, Noob wondered aloud if we would get to hit all the confederations. And in fact, wonder no more. Match number eight takes us to Oceania, to the New Zealand Premier League, which is easily, now that Australia has been part for several years of the uh, Asian Football Confederation, New Zealand is the number one OFC league. Uh, both of these teams that we're going to be talking about are going to get to go on to uh, the Champions League. This is the league's playoff final. Number one from the regular season, Auckland City taking on number B, Team Wellington. Now, the match is technically going to be at a neutral site. Uh, it's not where Auckland City plays their matches, but it is going to be in the city of Auckland, so that should give them something of an advantage if they're letting in any fans, which is a big if, I would imagine. Uh, let's see, Auckland City uh, won the regular season by just two points, uh, but they really had Team Wellington's number. They beat them 3-1 at home and then on the road managed a 2-2 draw. Auckland City, founded in 2004, uh, to get to this final, they beat Eastern, Su Eastern Suburbs Club 2-1. Uh, they've won the OFC Cham Champions League a whole mess of times since Australia left. Most recently in 2017, they're currently considered easily the best team in Oceania, and they're the six-time defending league champions here. Uh, the offense is uh, very, very good, uh, second best in the league. But far and away the best defense in the league. They let in less than one goal per match, and no other team there can say that. Uh, the offense that they get is uh, from tied for number three league leading scorer Logan Rogerson. He is an attacking midfielder, just 22 years old. Interesting little thing about him, he has spent his whole... A uh, very brief professional career in New Zealand, but he did play a couple of seasons in Germany with a club, and I hope I get the pronunciation right, called Carl Zeiss uh, Jena, or Jena, J-E-N-A, and they play all the way down in the three Liga, the third division in Germany. In any case, Team Wellington, founded the same year, 2004, couple of league titles, both very recent, 2016 and 17. They actually won the OFC Champions League in 2018, and they've had three runner-up finishes all of the 2010s outside of that. Uh, last year, they were just second best in the league. Uh, this year, uh, in the playoffs, they beat Hamilton Wanderers 4-1 to get to the semifinal. Uh, defense is second best in the league or tied for that. Uh, number one in offense by a million, million miles. So we have another uh, 
immovable force and irresistible object, or I think I'm screwing that up, but you know what I mean. One very good offensive team, one very good defensive team. Hey, I'm noob for a reason. Leave it alone. <laughs> Tied for number one in the league for scoring is Hamish Watson. And only, not just Europe, but only if you follow uh, football in England incredibly closely, like don't have a job, would you know this guy? He played for Grimsby Town in League Two, the fourth level in uh, the UK. And then that team in turn loaned him out to a team all the way down in the seventh level of the pyramid. I believe the premier division of the Northern League called Gainsborough Trinity. Match number nine. And we will stay in Oceania for our next match as well and head on over to the Solomon Islands S-League. This is considered to be the third best league in all of Oceania. Number two is New Caledonia. Haven't covered any matches from them, I believe, because of COVID. They just simply suspended their entire season. In any case, the matchup, and I've covered these two before, but this will probably be the last time until next year because their season is getting down to the very end. There's only two uh, league matches left for them. Number one, Henderson Eels versus number B, Solomon Warriors. And uh, Henderson currently lead in the table by four. So the Warriors have to have a win in this match in order to have a mathematical shot at the league title. Henderson's been dominant, and they won on the road against this team last time, uh, one to two. Now, that said, there's uh, nothing but really good news for Solomon Warriors. They're going to get to go to the Champions League either way. This uh, this league sends two teams to that, and uh, Solomon Warriors are way ahead of the third-place club, so they can't dip any lower. Henderson Eels, uh, they joined the S-League just in 2018. Before that, they were playing in the Honiara City League, which for a long time was the best or only league in the Solomon Islands. Uh, last year, they finished number B in the league, and then uh, they got to go to the OFC Champions League but then and made the group stage, but then partway through the tournament, it got canceled because of COVID. Uh, this year, you want to talk about a dominant team offensively. They average almost five goals per game. I've never seen any team doing that in a top flight league outside of uh, Tahiti a couple of years ago where they just played no defense whatsoever in Tahiti. But anyway, defense is very good. Second best in the league, and they let in less than one goal per match. Solomon Warriors, like most of the teams here, the lion's share, uh, they are also playing out of Honiara. They were founded in 1981, though, although back then it was a seven-a-side team, believe it or not. They are the four-time defending champions, so they are going to be fighting tooth and nail to get the win on the road here to have a shot at that league title because they are used to having it. They're a very well-balanced team, second-best offense, third-best defense, and they have won at least eight matches in a row. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Before we delve into the... 10th and last quote-unquote official match of the 10 to track. Yes, we still have our usual three fun bonus matches to go. I want to acknowledge some matches or events that matches from them didn't make the cut this particular week. Just a touch of insight into how the sausage gets made. One of my favorite things all week long is going through all the top flight domestic leagues and looking for uh, one versus B or really important matchups as well as international tournaments, FA Cups, League Cups, looking for the shiniest and most intriguing ones that I can find. Matches that didn't make the cut this particular week that normally would have for me, but didn't for various reasons. I am aware that the top two teams in Scotland, the old firm Keltings and Rangers, are playing this week. I didn't include it because Rangers are ahead by like 20 points. Same thing for Belgium. Uh, Club uh, Bruges are ahead by something like 19 points ahead of the second best team in the table. 
that one versus B matchup is going on. Decided to put that aside since the race there is over. UEFA Women's Champions League, which I believe is getting ready to start its round of 16, also this week. But they're doing the first leg. Each of the teams in the matchups are going to play two matches, a home and away. And I've decided to wait till they're playing the second matches to determine where the upsets might be and the most interesting things going on. Finally, and I don't even have a good reason for not covering one of these. I recognize that World Cup qualifying matches are going on all over the world this week. But I also think that lots of places are going to be talking about them. Plus, the AFCON, for some reason I can't put my finger on, is just one of my favorite events in the world. And so that's where we're going to go for match number 10 to the African Championships, their version of the Euros for their national teams. They're having their qualifying event. The AFCON proper is next year. A uh, very neat symmetrical event. They have 12 groups of four playing. The top two from each are going to qualify for next year's AFCON official tournament. Side note, Cameroon are the host country. They're automatically going to qualify, but they're still participating in one of the groups. If they win, only one of the other teams from that group will qualify. In any case, the group that I found most intriguing was Group K and the matchup that we're going to cover. Ethiopia versus Madagascar. Why so intriguing, you may ask? Well, check out this madcap race for the top two. Ivory Coast, seven points. Madagascar, seven points. Ethiopia, six points. Now, Ivory Coast are listed as in first because uh, they have the head-to-head advantage over Madagascar. And then Madagascar, in turn, they beat Ethiopia 1-0 on their own turf. So now the question is, can lower-ranked Ethiopia turn things around and get into the top two. A little bit about each. Ethiopia playing host for this one. They're near the bottom of the coefficients in Africa, to be honest. There's about, I want to say, 54, 55 teams, just like there are in Europe. And this team is ranked number 42 in Africa. That puts them, oh, just inside the top 150 in all of FIFA. They are known as the Walias, another fun mascot, or more specifically, the Walia Ibexes, which I believe is basically simply an African GNU. I love me, my fun, and strange mascots. Historically, fun side note about Ethiopia, they were one of just three teams to compete in the first ever AFCON all the way back in 1957. And in fact, just five years later, they won it. Now, the team qualified for the AFCON proper in 2013. What makes that so poignant is... They had not been in the event for 31 years prior to that. They had been a whole generation with not getting into AFCON proper, and they finished number 14. The subsequent year, they got to try to qualify for the World Cup. Didn't have too bad a run. They lost in the third round, which is right after the group stage. As far as this year, in this group, they have the number one defense. They have only allowed three goals in the four matches. I believe their all-around best player, based on where he plays, is going to be Shimeles Bekele. He plays on offense. He scored a one or maybe even two goals already in uh, group play. And he is in the Egyptian Premier League, plays for a club, Misr Lel Makasa. Meanwhile, your Malagasy squad, Madagascar's national team, another fun mascot. They are the Boreas or Zebus. They are the number 21 ranked team in all of Africa. Puts them just inside the top 100 in all of FIFA. In 2019, you remember, they had quite a run in AFCON that boosted them way up the rankings. They were way down before that. But they got in for the first time, or they're having their first run in a very, very long time. And they had a bunch of just all-time wins all in a row. They beat... Egypt in the qualifying stage won nothing, which I think at the time was the number one, might still be number one national team in all of Africa. Uh, in the group stage for the AFCON proper, they beat a very, very good team in Nigeria. They beat them 2-0. 
and then they won their group, Group B, from that. Then in the knockout stage, they even beat another team well above them in the rankings, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo in the round of 16, the best of them. Finally, that run came to an end as they got walloped 0-3 by uh, Tunisia in the quarterfiles. So to date, they have still never qualified for the World Cup, just for the record, too. But that was quite a run in the 2019 AFCON. Uh, for this group, they're playing a very, very good defensive team. They are number one in this group by lots and lots on offense. So it'll be fun to see which style comes out on top. Their defense is a little bit weaker, though. Uh, tied for number one in the group in scoring is Lalena Nomenjanahari. And yes, I practiced that about six times. Uh, if you're a European footy fan and his name is familiar to you, it is because he currently plays in League Two in France with Paris FC. And in fact, he spent uh, at least a couple of seasons and maybe more than that uh, with uh, League One team in France, Lens. So kind of fun to follow those European connections when it comes to uh, these teams in Africa. And now with the official 10 to track matches done, time for my favorite part of the podcast, the bonus matches. I scour all the top flight leagues in the world, noting which matches are going to qualify for each bonus matches parameters. Up, I put them on Twitter. You vote for them. Thank you very much for your participation, by the way. And then I preview them, giving great teams their due and showing scorn to those that deserve it. Uh, Soccer Noob USA is my handle on Twitter, whether you want to find that to take part in the polls or just talk footy with me or pass on any message to Person Noob. She's not old enough to have her own account, but I will say hello to her from you if you would like. Now, our first bonus match that you voted for is a first versus last place face-off that here at Team Noob we like to call Route, 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 Route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the one that you voted for for the Route of the Week, a Tuesday match in Mexico, the women's top league, the Liga MX Femenil. They are in their Clausura, or second stage, the closing stage, 11 matches into the 18-match stage. By the way, the top eight are going to go to the playoffs. Nobody gets relegated because they don't have a second league below that yet. Professional women's Mexican football, from what I gather, is uh, relatively new. Here's to hoping in the future that they can build a pyramid of their own. In any case, your matchup, number one, Tigres, UANL, and they are playing host to number 18 in last place, Juarez, somebody's going to get their butts kicked. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes we just try things. <laughs> Tigres UANL, they lead Atlas by two in the table. Juarez on the other end, they trail Puebla by just one, so they do definitely have hope of climbing out of that bottom feeder spot. A little bit about each. Tigres UANL, they are based in the city of Monterey, were founded in just 2016. Uh, the only time I believe they won an official stage was in 2018, they won the Apertura. Uh, in the 2020 Colasura, they were in first place, but that got abandoned because of COVID. Uh, they were number one. Actually, this is the other time they won, of course. They were number one in the last Apertura, so the last stage. And in the playoffs, they beat Monterey in the finals, in that intra-city final. This stage, they are 8-2-1, and one, number one on goal differential. The only team that's particularly close is number three, Monterey, once again, the intra-city rival. Uh, let's throw some number outs, numbers out to scare Juarez into uh, shaking over the fate that they know must be coming to them. Uh, Tigres are tied for number two on offense. 
Uh, they are twice as good statistically as anybody else on defense. They've only given up five goals all stage long. Tied for number two in league scoring to be feared is Stephanie Mayor. Side note about her that I thought was lots of fun because most of these players uh, play, uh, you know, they stay in Mexico for their careers from what I've seen so far. But this gal, she played from 2016 to 2019 with a top flight team in, of all places, Iceland. I believe the pronunciation of club is Thotha. Uh, it looks like an Icelandic version of a P. So P-O-R slash capital K capital A is how it's stylized, but Thotha is the pronunciation nearly as I can get it right. So just a fun side note there. Juarez, meanwhile, Las Bravas, and as brave as they want to be, as I said, uh, they're probably going to get spanked. Nevertheless, they've got about the coolest crest that I've seen in a long time. They've got a, a horse and sort of a horse's bust and sort of an action pose on there. It's a wild horse. Uh, it's Got very, a very cool and modern reddish and green colors on an overall black crest. Uh, the team was founded in 2019. They got their start by uh, the organization Juarez just flat out uh, bought uh, the team or at least the licensure for a team called Lobos BUAP. They have both men's and uh, women's teams. And so now Juarez has men's and women's teams under their own team. Now, just as an interesting side note, uh, BUAP do still have a team. They now play in a uh, top flight of a Liga MX alternate. I can't remember the name and it's not FIFA recognized, but I had only just learned that there is now a second competing quote unquote top tier league in Mexico. Anyway, this particular team, sadly, they are only one, three and seven on the stage Got the 14th best goal differential of the 18. Uh, 14th best offense. They don't even manage to score one goal per, goal per match. 13th best defense. So you'd like to think that they could climb a little bit, but they're not going to sniff the playoffs. They certainly won't be any closer after this match. Their highlight of the season so far, the one thing that might give them a little bit of hope, uh, Monterey, the team in third place in the intra-city rival for uh, the T-Grace they actually lost to Juarez. Juarez beat them 3-4 on the road, so good on them for that one. Nevertheless, Noob's prediction is 4-0 in favor of your host team, number one, Tigres. Our second bonus match is the sort of match that every week, I believe, makes us more unique than anything else we do here. Uh, obviously, we and most podcasters spend a lot of time talking about Really, really good matchups involving top teams. I mean, sure, makes sense. We even spend a little time on uh, bad teams like Juarez, and towards the end of various league seasons, we might look at other matchups that involve teams in the relegation zone, teams fighting to finish just high enough to stay in their top flight domestic league. But I've got to believe there is no other podcast that goes out of their way to shine a light on the truly middling matchup of any particular league. I'm talking about teams that are each smack dab in the middle of the standings, perfectly situated between be equidistant between the top where they might get international berths and being at the bottom in those relegation zones. They're not in danger and they're not on a path to glory. Rather than tell you the name of the match, why don't we play the clunky, clunky theme song with apologies to Prince. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. And the match that you voted on takes us to Spain. It's another women's match, just by coincidence, in their premier division. 
Uh, the Spanish Women's Premier Division, by the way, is the number four rated UEFA league. That is down one. They recently got passed by England. Still, they get three teams into the Champions League, and four this year of the 18 are going to get relegated. And neither of these teams is in particular danger of either one. Yes, that's what we mean by the most meaningless match in the world. And yet it's a lot of fun to look at teams nobody else is covering, I think. Number 10, Athletic Bilbao versus number 9, Valencia. Valencia, uh, they lead uh, they lead Bilbao by 3. Valencia are 17 points from 3rd place. So they're nowhere near going to be getting to the Champions League. And then uh, Bilbao, they are 4 points above the relegation zone. That doesn't sound like that much, but there's a lot of teams in between. So they're not getting relegated. And in any case, why not? One more time, Athletic Bilbao, guess what their mascot is? The Lionesses. Hey, it's kind of different from Lions. No, it's not really different from Lions. We've been nothing but Lions, dang it. They were founded in 2002. Uh, and like their men's team, and I've forgotten about this, they only sign players to, to play for this team that are from the greater uh, Basque country, which is uh, mostly in Spain, uh, but a little bit of France. It's basically people that are of uh, Southern European descent, particularly Mediterranean. Uh, the team has five league titles. Most recent one they won was 2015-16. The last complete season, I believe, they played because of COVID was the 2018-19 season, and they had their poorest finished fifth place that particular year. In 16-17, the year after they uh, last won the league, they had their best ever international finish in the Champions League. They made the round of 32. Uh, their statistics on offense and defense really back up where they are. Number 11 offense, number 9 defense. They do have the, a very, very top-flight scorer, though. Number one on the team is Lucia Garcia. Love the rhyming. She is an attacker with 11 goals. If they could shut her down, ain't nobody scored just about because the next best player on their team only has three. And she's just 22 years old, and she's already been playing with the Spanish national team since 2016. Meanwhile, Valencia, depending on how you want to look at it, they were founded in 2000 or 2009. Uh, the team that was playing in 2000 was not Valencia. It was a local college team that was very, very good, and I believe even got to play some top flight against top flight professional teams. They took over the team, basically bought it out in 2009. Uh, best finish they've ever had in the league. Uh, they finished in third place in the 2016-17 season. But that said, uh, it wasn't really an anomaly. They're very good. They've been in the top half of the league for several years, but not last year or the last complete season. They only finished in 15th place. Now, unlike their counterparts for this, their statistics are all over the place. They've got the number seven offense in the league. They can put the ball in the back of the net, but they can't stop the other team from doing the same. They've only got the 15th best defense. Uh, top team, uh, top scorer on the team, rather. She is a Dutch gal. Ellen Jansen's the name to look for. She's got 10 goals on the season, and she also plays for her own national team. And now, last year, New Whites, if I may refer to you as such, we come to the end, the true end of our podcast, the final bonus match. As always, we don't like to end this on notes of happiness and joy, but rather with feelings of scorn and moroseness, melancholy, if you will. You had your choice on Twitter of various matchups to vote on involving the two last place teams from various leagues. One of those matchups we have had to declare winner, if winner is even the right word for these putrid teams. This is the match of... Disappointed! Ooh, I always love hearing the Herculean disdain in actor Kevin Sorbo's voice. 
warms my cockles or something like that. In any case, yes, this is the match of disappointed. It is a Sunday match. Hey, we head one more time to Africa, to the country of Benin, their Premier League, or if you prefer the French, the Championnat National. Uh, this is the number 27 ranked league in uh, in Africa, and they are newly ranked. Uh, for some reason, just side note, Afri the African Confederation doesn't rank all their teams for some reason. They stop at about 31, very specifically every single year. So sometimes teams climb up and in. It's a nice benchmark for them to reach, and then they get to play in the Champions League. This league is gargantuan. Four groups of eight teams each. They're about 10 matches into the season. And the lowly bottom feeders that you have voted for. It is number eight, Taneka, I believe, and versus number seven, Dynamique Jogu. D-J-O-U-G-O-U. -O -O Jogu. I already don't like them just because it's so hard to say. I guess I need to work on my French. Now, by the way, full disclosure, these teams are in group A of the uh, four Group C actually has a couple worse teams statistically than these two. These two are only the worst two in their group, but I included them in a couple others just to round out one of the polls, and it happened to be the one you voted on. So what? There's no overseeing body for us. We can make the match of disappointed any darn thing we want. So let's get into it. I can't tell you a whole lot about these teams, but I've got a little. First, though, a little bit about the city itself, because both teams are from there, Jogu. It is the largest city in Northwest Benin and the capital of the Donga Department or state. About a quarter million people is all. And if you're a regular listener to this uh, podcast, you know that I like to include some sort of culinary note. And I thought, well, we don't really like to end on any sort of positive note. But wouldn't it be fun to actually end on you know some nice food-related note? Because I like to include those. There is a cheese there called, uh, there are various pronunciations for it, but I'm going to call it Wagashi. Second most common might be Wagashi. In any case, I've Googled up the pictures and such. It is a very light, incredibly soft white cheese. Barely holds together, it looks like, when you slice it. And it is served traditionally in a very starchy sauce, like you've pounded uh, yams or very common to this area. You might make the sauce out of a sort of a maize porridge if you want something a little bit uh, thicker. And if you let it uh, set just a little bit more, it makes a great travel snack for people in this region. But they, and I don't know if this is a liquid of some kind or if it's ground pepper, but they'll take along pepper for dipping it into. It looks delightful. Use your Google machine to look up some pictures. Uh, now, back to the footy, a little bit about each of our teams. Uh, Taneka, they are a mere one, three, and six on the season, oh, one and four in their last five matches. And the only time they uh, the only time they actually managed to win a match was only against third to last place uh, Cavaliers. Uh, the defense is uh, fairly average or nearly so. The real problem is offense. They have only scored two goals on the season. Woof. Okay. Meanwhile, Dynamique uh, Dynamique Jogu. Uh, they are 1-4-6. and six. They've played one more team and got a, one more match so far. They got a draw out of it. Their problem is on defense. You want to talk about your woof. They have allowed 21 goals already. That is more than twice as many as any other team in the group. Just absolutely putrid. Uh, the only thing they can hang their hopes on, I suppose, is last match they didn't lose. They got a draw against their intra-city rivals, Pantheres. Now, the one thing that I think that we can say for sure as we conclude our podcast about these two teams is, person noob, that... You may be be Jesus Christ. Oof. 
so harsh. And that'll do it for this episode. Thanks very much to the management for his editing and producing efforts, to Dan, the former Interno Inferno, for his support as always and efforts as well, and to my daughter, Person Noob. Love you, sweetie. You did a fabulous job, especially with your own full-on mini-preview for the second week in a row. We endeavor to create something really special and unique here. If you like it, please share the link to either uh, SoundCloud or Apple Noob with your friends. We love you so much for it. And so thank you most of all to you for tuning in. And so as always, we wish you a fabulous footy week. Take care. Hey.